ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Unadulterated, where the truth is never underrated. This is being recorded on the evening of July 4th, 2017. That's right. Happy Independence Day, America. For those of you who count it from the 4th of July, 1776, this would be 241 years of the independence for the United States of America. And for those who go by April 30th, 1789 to the present, that will be 228 years. So, we'd like to declare to America a happy, happy birthday. And the Declaration of Independence was signed over 200 years ago for the freedom from the captivity of the norm that existed in that time and era. We thank God for the Spanish remnant Christopher Columbus, who decided to go against the norm of the way of thinking in that time that the world was flat, and he knew that the world was round, and because he followed his suspicions that something was beyond the horizon, he decided to take a journey beyond the horizon on the Atlantic Ocean and found the beautiful islands of the Caribbean, which is how Trinidad got the head city of Port of Spain, because Christopher Columbus was from Spain, and also the birthplace of my dear father, also fellow host, Christopher Troy Selina. And uh, I'd like Christopher Troy Selina to just quickly greet the people, and then we're going to get into a couple proverbs that we'd like to open up the show with. Christopher, how are you feeling on this July 4th? 2017 and just as a reminder if you hear any fireworks in the background you will know henceforth the reason why 4th of July I'm grateful Josiah for the opportunity to be alive in such a time as this and I'm glad that you mentioned Christopher Columbus journey to the Caribbean the West Indies because I like to see the West Indies as the front porch of the United States. That's right, and then you share a fellow name with Christopher, of course, the first name, and also Christopher, I believe, is correctly translated. I don't know, uh, you can explain the um, origin uh, of the background of that name, but basically it means follower of Christ, correct? Follower of Christ or light bearer. So going back to the analogy of the house with the front porch, I see Christopher Columbus coming to the West Indies in the year 1492, that year. And uh, coming to the West Indies is almost like sitting on the front porch of your house and looking out uh, before the United States of America. So God, the Holy Spirit, on this 4th of July 2017 is reminding the world that something special is about to happen even in the islands of the sea, the front porch, and inevitably also will come down upon the United States of America. I believe this is the last chance for the United States of America. Wow. Some thought there. And then I was just giving some research here on the name Christopher. It's derived from late Greek meaning bearing Christ or to bear or to carry. So I believe when you had your salvation experience at five years old, 
you had a, a heavy burden on your shoulders that you felt that was completely lifted and carried off that you no longer had to bear but because you saw the bloody back of Jesus Christ and him bearing his cross you knew that there was a new yoke that was easy and a new burden that was light that you had to carry which is the cross of Christ to and follow in the, in the midst of all that gory vision and that bloody manifestation in which I did not see the face of Christ but his beaten bloody back that's I, right I wept for more than two hours as a five year old boy mm-hmm. because there was such conviction by the vision of his cross that I knew this was the doorway to heaven yes amen and then also uh, with uh, the the second definition of the name in late Greek to bear to carry uh, to this day had Christopher Columbus never made the decision to cross that horizon he would have had to carry a heavy burden on his shoulders as to what's on the other side of that horizon had and he before he crossed over that step of faith things were in the minus before he crossed the Atlantic and before I had that experience with Yeshua HaMashiach the Christ my family for the most part were also living in the minus but because of the cross the minus became a plus and because Christopher Columbus crossed the Atlantic it became a plus for the new world yes because a minus sign is a horizontal line like a horizon so he had to see the bonus plus end of the world that the world had forgotten about in order to make that minus into a plus and then in your salvation experience whatever you were lacking in life became an addition to life when you entered the rewards of the kingdom of heaven through the cross of Jesus Christ and somebody listening today on the 4th of July 2017 their life might be full of minuses and they don't know what to do but God Almighty who still works miracles in spite of those who resist the miraculous dimension of God he can take the pluses in your life and make the minuses and make them pluses by a revelation of what his son Jesus has done for you at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light all the burdens of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight that's right so we're going to get into these proverbs that Christopher Troy Selina has requested to begin the show with. Um, I just would like to look up the traditional ones first. We're going to be starting with Proverbs chapter 28 verses 2 through 5. And uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading the traditional translation, uh, which is the King James Version, which Christopher Troy Selina likes to call the King Jesus Version. And uh, then I'm going to read in the modern translation the same two portions of scriptures from Proverbs in the message translation uh, thanks to the uh, translation through the Holy Spirit's guidance of Eugene H. Peterson. But let's get into the first portion. Proverbs 28 verses 2 through 5. For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, 
the state thereof shall be prolonged. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Now the same portion in the message says, When the country is in chaos, everybody has a plan to fix it. But it takes a leader of real understanding to straighten things out. The wicked who oppress the poor are like a hailstorm that beats down the harvest. If you desert God's law, you're free to embrace depravity. If you love God's law, you fight for it tooth and nail. Justice makes no sense to the evil-minded. Those who seek God know it inside out. Now following up with, before we get into our commentary, King James Version, Proverbs 29, verses 2 through 4. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth. And the same portion in the message, When good people run things, everyone is glad. But when the ruler is bad, everyone groans. If you love wisdom, you'll delight your parents, but you'll destroy their trust if you run with whores. A leader of good judgment gives stability. An exploiting leader leaves a trail of waste. Uh, well, I would like to uh, just lay some background because in Proverbs chapters 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29, uh, we have here a, a collection of Proverbs on various topics that was attributed to Solomon and actually was copied by Hezekiah, the uh, reign in Judah. Some Proverbs in chapters uh, 28 uh, to 29 contain direct application to the collective life and well-being of an organized society. And uh, I would like you to refer to verse 2 again of chapter number 28. For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. And in the message, when the country is in chaos, everybody has a plan to fix it. But it takes a leader of real understanding to straighten things out. So here we see when a land is in rebellion. And the Bible says, Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So it's talking about a rebellious land, which literally is a land full of transgression. And we also know that Solomon also said to us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And then he also said, with this earning a knowledgeable person, which is literally in man discerning and knowing. So the first situation describes a nation, Josiah, a nation where people 
have lost a clear sense of right and wrong. It's kind, it's kind of like Josiah, what the prophet Isaiah spoke about in the fifth chapter. He spoke about a time where people would call good evil and they would call evil good. For those of you who are new to the word reproach, I just wanted to read the dictionary definition. Reproach is a verb meaning address someone in such a way as to express disapproval or disappointment or accuse someone of when the archaic censure or rebuke an offense. And as a noun, reproach is the expression of disapproval or disappointment, a thing that makes the failings of someone or something else more apparent, or in the Roman Catholic Church so-called, a set of antiphons and responses for Good Friday representing the reproaches of Jesus Christ to his people. Now, of course, we don't know how the Roman Catholics got that, but basically, in essence, from a biblical perspective, reproach means that God is expressing his disapproval and disappointment for a lower set of standards in a government. So we, we see here two things, Josiah. First of all, uh, a situation describing a nation where people have lost, notice, have lost a clear sense of right and wrong, while the second part depicts the behavior as you can see, where, where people understand and practice godly behavior. So it, here we, it's a very clear contrast. There's always a reflection because God's kingdom is a government in and of itself. It's a nation. It's a society. It's a realm of influence. Just like when Jesus instructed the disciples, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, he was basically saying that the spiritual realm always affects the physical realm, and, the phys and likewise uh, vice versa. However, because heaven is a government, that head of government whatever state they are in the state of heaven has a deep impact on the governments below it which is the governments of earth so in other words we as nations under these earthly governments whoever are in these earthly governments have a direct impact on us as a people under those governments and in the government of heaven there is no instability yes and yet there are so many unstable governments as you and I speak to the world today, there are governments that are failing all across this planet. But the government of heaven is stable. Now you see that the chronic problems and crime give evidence, the violence in our street, the anger, the murder, the rape, uh, the demeaning of, of women who God created so beautifully the attack on marriage, traditional marriage. And, uh, you know, these ungodly practices and the crime give evidence of this instability in the societies of this world as compared to the government of heaven. That's right, because the government of heaven is the only kingdom that is infallible. It's the only kingdom that has never lost a war. The only kingdom that has full and total rights to the earth because as King David said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof 
the world and they that dwell therein, meaning no matter how many properties are bought, no, many, no matter how many lands are sold, no matter how many governments trade, the earth in and of itself is God's property that he has borrowed unto man for their leadership and for their rule. When God created Adam, he basically signed a contract that this was a agreement that basically I'm the creator, just like a restaurant has an owner and a CEO. The owner and the CEO have two different roles. One owns the restaurant, the other one takes charge of what happens inside the restaurant. When God created Adam, he basically was saying, I own the earth. But now I'm giving you responsibility as to what occurs in the earth. So I'm going to stay in my realm. You stay in your realm. And when Jesus came along, the second Adam, when he invited the introduction of prayer, he basically was saying, okay, now I'm giving you access. Whenever you are struggling as the CEO, you can call me in as the owner to give me permission to come and affect what's going on inside the earth. So you're saying that when these uh, laws are not followed, whether it is in the kitchen with uh, Chef Ramsey or in a CEO, in a family, in a community, whatever strat of society, if there are not proper laws in place, things are going to crumble and fall apart at some point. As you were speaking, I was thinking about the example in Scripture of a crumbling society in uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. You remember when the northern kingdom experienced constant civil unrest until eventually the northern kingdom uh, was full of assassinations and uprising. It's almost like what we see happening in some of the nations and countries today. No sense of law and order or government, uh, you know, legality. Because uh, from what I was picking up from what you were saying, there's a legal way to do things. And there's a legal way to pray. There's a legal way to communicate. There's a legal way to run things. But if our laws... Um, and government are not legitimate and their legitimacy does not connect with the government of heaven then what is going to happen these violence these uh, discrepancies uh, decapitators dividers uh, violence in our street will continue because we are not following the ways of the government of heaven. Just like you say, a the church united is the church ignited. Um, whenever you are united, it stirs up a fire in the people that are following you. So basically, when we're talking in terms of government, whenever a government is united for a cause, it has a direct effect on the people to be united for a similar cause. Whenever a government is divided on a cause, it also has a direct impact on the people to be divided about the same causes. So basically, when you say the church united is the church ignited, what are we stirring up people's hearts for? What are we 
setting their hearts on fire for? Are we setting their hearts on fire for rage, riot in the streets, um, smashing of windows, disrespect of law-abiding citizens, um, disrespect of enforcers of the law? Or are we igniting a fire that is against injustice, stands up for the poor and the, and the needy, um, lifts up and celebrates the humble and the meek, despises the proud and the wicked? So basically, whenever the governments of this world are, not, are united for a wicked cause, it directly influences their citizens to also be affected by a wicked cause and that can only stir up one of two things either a nation in agreement with its government or a nation at war with its government or vice versa remember the tower of babel the people were of one purpose and they were unified which i like to call the tower of babel the original united nations this sounds like a good thing until we recognize that people can unify a wrong an ungodly purpose. And, and exactly as the UN have their, their building and headquarters in New York City, in the same manner, the Tower of Babel was a place where all were of one language, of one common denominator when it came to communication. So basically in the United Nations we have gadgets today where they have earpieces that can translate into sometimes 20 to 40 different languages. Um, and you just hear the direct translation of the person speaking on the microphone directly in your ear translated into your language. Now, this would not have happened had the people in the Tower of Babel not only had a common language but a common righteous purpose. It didn't matter if they were of a common language. It didn't matter if they were united for a cause. Was the cause they were united for a righteous cause? Well, the Tower of Babel was intended for the glorification of the people. And it's important that we see this. This was the intention. It was a movement of self-glorification. Uh, listen to the terminology. Look, we are a great people. It didn't say, look, our God is a great God. Look, we are a great people because we built this tower. And I have nothing against beautiful architecture. I'm a high enthusiast of art and architecture myself. At the same token, the reason why there's scriptures in the Bible as to not make, you know, a, a human image or like an idol amongst to yourselves is because we must even act in our architecture. Is this bringing glory to man or glory to God? Their focus is very clear in Babylon. It was on themselves. It was not God. And that's why the scripture says, a destitute leader who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain that leaves no food. So, Nimrod was a leader. He was a powerful leader. The problem was, it was a movement of self-glorification. It was a movement of self-pride. People, uh, you know, people of all generations, including people groups with many unifying characteristics, faced always faced the great temptation 
of self-pride. Uh, popular opinions and cultural ideals can be good, but they can also be means of oppression and control, as we see in this 21st century we are living in. There was a recent video I was watching with actually my mother, your wife, uh, Joanna Selena. For 34 years. That's correct. Congratulations on Why Modern Architecture Sucks. It's by one of my favorite InfoWars reporters, Paul Joseph Watson. And basically, he was just explaining how uh, many years ago, why we have certain monuments like Big Ben or the Taj Mahal or even like Solomon's Temple. These were sites that were not eyesores. When people looked upon them, it brought peace, it brought tranquility. It was a sight of beauty to behold. Um, in modern architecture, basically, when you know when they make these tower block buildings in Brooklyn or these um, common office buildings in these dusty down cities that get you know ghetto tagged with graffiti all over. Um, the backs and, and bottom sides of these buildings and some occasionally being abandoned. Basically, it was showing that where most crime is is where these hideous buildings or these hideous cities are. And you notice in the architecture, they don't like light coming into these buildings. So basically, because of that, and that's an excellent point, because most of these buildings are very dark buildings in and of themselves. On the inside, they hardly lit um, you know, not a lot of brightness and color and stuff like that. But basically, if the architecture around us can influence our behavioral patterns and our community preferences, then basically, even our architecture, is it just celebrating the, you know, what, what you said, the accomplishments of man or the beauty of the handiwork that God has given man the ability to create? Because I know God is a God of beauty. And if God has gold-written streets waiting for us in heaven, I don't think he would approve of all these ugly buildings that we're building today. Because when he was going through history, Paul Joseph Watson was researching this to a certain architecture, um, a certain architect, sorry, who basically set this new standard to make all major cities of the world look the same. I'm glad you mentioned the street of gold because, you know, sometimes I run into quote-unquote Christians. They like to talk about gold dust that appear in the service. Well, if gold dust appear in the service, who am I to say the gold dust did not appear? That's right. But uh, why should I get excited about gold dust when I'll be walking in streets of pure gold? Yes, anything that we receive of that realm and this realm is just a bonus because anything in this realm is nothing to be compared to in that realm because we are in a falling state that will be a glorified state. I had not seen, Nor neither has it heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him, but these things are revealed unto us by his spirit. So any idea you may have of heaven in your head multiply that by a trillion and that still won't be enough of the true definition of what heaven's going to look like when you see the physical realm coming down onto earth and and being married in the new kingdom coming but basically to finish off on uh what i highly recommend going and looking at the video why modern architecture sucks so you could see how the new world order is basically making all these cities look similar 
to discourage people from beauty and also to hang a new world order preference of how modern architecture should look like so basically we are hovering this over you we are hovering these ugly buildings over you to look down upon you so that you have nothing to look up to you have nothing to dream to so basically if we can discourage that you could look above and beyond what these buildings are located in the sky then we know that you we can keep you looking down at the ground and discouraging you from your dreams discouraging you from your talents because we're lowering the standards of beauty that you're looking up to as great as the tower of babel was and you know in dubai you see these extravagant skyscrapers going into the heavens and i know one day even those skyscrapers in dubai and new york city and europe and wherever there are skyscrapers they will come crumbling down at the appearing of the son of the living god when he appears in great glory and with power and lightning shall flash from one end of the earth to the other he's coming with such shaking power that all of these buildings will crumble and uh, you know i'm thinking about nimrods the tower of babel as great as it was and what an accomplishment to oppose the tower of babel josiah in that day an individual would have needed great courage and faith in almighty god to come against nimrod and his tower and his officials and the people around him uh, this would entail for a person of courage and faith to stand against the tower of babel it's like you standing before the building there in new york city the one world trade center is that what it's called as now known the freedom tower or the freedom tower well the only tower that has freedom is the one that god built not the one in new york city and not the one that mr nimrod built in babylon which is modern day iraq between the river tigris and euphrates uh these buildings are opposed to god they are opposed to god and those who stand against anything that man has built and opposes you got to have courage and faith the bible talks about unless the lord buildeth the men that buildeth are building in vain so basically even the freedom tower was derived from an a prophecy in isaiah that says we will rebuild and instead of responding to our terrorist attackers with a sense of repentance which there was a season of repentance but it should have lasted a lot longer than it did instead of responding with a full on repentance we responded with a full on revenge was it genuine repentance or was it because our hands got caught in the cookie jar i would see it as almost a ninevah type of repentance the type of repentance that is only for a season but then fades away over time so basically we are looking at a day and age where we want to show the world our own power instead of god's power through us and those who focus on themselves i'm glad you brought that point up when i say focus on themselves 
myself is included because almost every human being loves himself or herself at the end of the day if we are honest christopher troy selena loves himself josiah emmanuel selena loves himself every person listening to us loves himself and there is a good self-love as long as it as it is filtered through the cross on which the one that hung on that cross says greater love had no man than this than a man laid down his life for his friends but those who focus on themselves like governments and societies often put pressure on citizens to go along with cultural norms that opposes and violates the laws of the kingdom of God. This is why if we want to truly raise the standard, we cannot just take confidence and pride in simple statements like making a nation great again. We must also remember the scriptures that say, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So therefore, no nation on this planet can ever be made great or even restored to greatness unless their God is the Lord Most High, Jesus Christ. And that is powerful what you just shared. When those norms are out of line with the purposes of Almighty God, we can be sure that there is a God in heaven that is taking notice of everything that is happening from the Knesset in Israel, from uh, the parliament in Washington, D.C. There is a God in heaven who is taking notice on my family, uh, who's taking notice on what's going on from the White House to your house. He is watching a family, a community, a nation going against the norm will face persecution in one way or the other by self-glorifying tyrants in every strata of society. So the times we are living in, there is an attack against those who are living by the standards of the government of heaven. Uh, It entails suffering and exclusion and even physical harm we see on the streets, even of America. To those that stand up for righteousness. I've seen it even in South Africa. I've seen it on the streets of England. I've seen it wherever I've traveled. There is an attack and an exclusion and even physical harm for such an individual of people going against the norm of self-glorification and self-pride. Well, just to close out this topic in a very brief um, a very brief explanation so that the people know where we're getting to before we close the show when it comes to going against the norm we must remind people that this is a new norm that has been established that is far away from the creator's norm uh, let's end with these two words normalcy normalcy is a state of being normal usual or expected Uh, we see scriptures in the bible that the lord has an expected end to his people who follow him courageously and faithfully so like there's a lot of examples you give how life government 
anything surrounding us in all the kingdoms of influence in this world today. We can have an expected end, a promised future, um, a powerful destiny in any of these arenas if we succumb to the norm and submit to the norm of God's law. When something returns to a state of normalcy, it is returning to the way that it ought to be. So basically, going back to the original state, the, the original foundation. The reason why nations like America have strayed so far into a new norm is because they have not gone back to the way it ought to be in the Declaration of Independence, even what we're celebrating on this Independence Day, besides the barbecue, the hamburgers, the hot dogs, the fireworks. Because America have squandered the prosperity and the great wealth that God has poured upon her on self-indulgence. And all that is a reflection of that indulgence. But if we really take time, just like on uh, Memorial Day, we do the same. We don't think about the soldiers, we just think about our barbecues. On the Independence Day, it is really honoring when the Declaration of Independence was first signed. And that entire declaration was based on Judeo-Christian values that men had evaluated at that time. And that's why God expects our government officials, uh, our governmental leaders, to establish and to promote justice for all the citizens of the United States of America. That our early leaders had formed in their Congress buildings, taken the time to diplomatically reason with each other, not talk over each other, even though that possibly might have been, or, you know, cause division in the camp or a confused front towards the people. But something that the citizens of the nation of America could unite for that would not cause division racism, segregation, any type of norm that was leading away from Judeo-Christian values. So, in honor of this, we'd like to remind our audience that I'd like to end this with the dictionary definition of standard. A level of quality or attainment or, or a required or agreed level of quality or attainment. So in that moment when the congressmen got together over 200 years ago, they were basically coming to an agreed level. They took a vote, they put these laws together, they agreed in unison to a law that they felt all citizens and upcoming future citizens of America could adhere to and could also assimilate with from other countries coming in. So, we know we serve a God of borders, and I know this is a hot topic or a controversial topic for some. But even when God addressed the mixed multitude when the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness unto Canaan, unless that mixed multitude adhered to the laws of the Jewish standards of that day or, the, or God's Ten Commandments, they were not allowed to be part of the community. God never told us to unite with our enemies. Exactly. He told us to pray for our enemies, but not unite with them. So because God's law has a standard and has a state of normalcy, anything outside of that is abnormal and lowering the standard. So these 
the laws of God cannot be mixed or married with any other laws directly opposed to any of God's laws. So we who are in the nation of America or whatever other nation you are listening, whatever other nation you are patriotic towards, the citizens of these nations have to come to an agreement that unless we adhere to God's standards, we are in an abnormal state. We are in a a low standard that is decaying our morality, decaying our governments, decaying our way of treating people and seeing the value of its citizens. On that note, Josiah, I would like to pray for the families that's listening, the individuals that listening, the community, the nation, wherever you're hearing this, those that are unified around an ungodly purpose will eventually fall apart into an oppressive family, an oppressive community, an oppressive nation. And I want to pray against all oppressive leaders that God will shake them and that God will raise up righteous leaders. Wherever you are right now, you can just agree with us as Christopher Troy Selina takes the time to pray. And then we are going to close out the show with a declaration to honor Independence Day because still, despite all its flaws and decays and sinful nature that has flooded its society, America is still considered one of the greatest nations to ever exist on the face of the earth. And there was a a powerful song written a long time ago by one of my all-time favorite artists, Carmen. And it's a song called America Again. And I want you to really listen after we pray to the words of this song. Because just as America needs to come back to its Judeo-Christian roots, this can be reflected on the rest of the world. Because if America be the most powerful nation on earth, that means its actions directly affect whatever goes on in the rest of the world in this time period. Just like Israel being God's chosen people, whatever happens to Israel affects the rest of the world also. There are certain nations that God has truly blessed to set a standard for all other nations to adhere to because His truth and His values were placed at the core foundation of those nations. So, in light of these topics, we close the show out for you leaving this thought. As you listen to this prayer... As you listen to the words of this song, don't let it just be about America, but let it be about bringing God back into the earth that is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Pastor Chris. Father, we thank you for turning us, turning me, turning my family, turning the listeners from the fleshly desires that makes us love the things of this world more than the things of God. Enable me, enable my family, enable my community, enable my nation to turn to you by living in a right relationship with you and to gain an understanding of the basic principles of the laws of the kingdom of God. And give us godly lifestyles that would help ensure the stability 
of our families, the stability of our communities, the stability of our nation, so that when it reaches the top in the governmental officials and the local leaders and the towns and the villages, wherever they are, there will be an establishing and a promoting of righteousness, of justice for all the citizens of the land. Lord, bring a new devotion to the heavenly king and make us a better people, a stable people, a secure people wherever we are. And let the power of the government of heaven be released in every sphere of influence. In the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This has been Unadulterated, where the truth is never underrated. We need God in America again, and in the nations of this world again. God bless, till next time, let's raise the standard. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay. Names synonymous with the spirit of our country, founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason this nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead, you need God in America again. Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, we've staked our future and our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, you can't have national morality apart from religious principle, and it's true. Because right now we have nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, rape and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last this decade is put God in America again. The only hope for America is Jesus The only hope for our country is Him If we repent of our ways Stand firm and say We need God in America again
Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. America is now number one in teen pregnancy and violent crime, number one in illiteracy, drug use, and divorce. Every day a new holocaust of 5,000 unborn die, while pornography floods our streets like open sewers. America's dead and dying hand is on the threshold of the church, while the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah vexes us all. When it gets to the point where people would rather come out of the closet than clean it, it's the sign that judgment of God is going to fall. If there's ever been a time to rise up church, it's now. And as the blood-bought saints of the living God proclaim, that it's time to sound the alarm from the church house to the White House and say, we want God in America again. America to stand up and proclaim that one nation under God is our demand and send this evil lifestyle back to Satan where it came from and let the word of God revive our dying land for Jesus Christ is coming back again in all his glory and every eye shall see him on that day that's why a new anointing of God's power is coming on us to boldly tell the world you must be saved because astrology won't save you. Your horoscope won't save you. The Bible says these things are all farce. If you're born again, you don't need to look to the stars for your answers, because you can look to the very one who made those stars. History tells us time and time again, to live like there's no God makes you a fool. If you want to see kids live right, stop handing out condoms, and start handing out the word of God in schools. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our ways, stand firm and say we need God in America again. I know the only hope for America is Jesus.